Hey guys, Gabriel here. Uh, I just want to give you a very quick heads up before we get started on the show. Today's episode, The First Bad Idea, gets into some discussions of sexual activities that are just like a mite more graphic than what we normally do on the show. Nothing super, super explicit, but just like a little bit franker than the way we normally talk about them. And then the second idea has passing mentions of gun violence, including some stuff that happens around children. Again, nothing like super, super graphic, but just so you know, that's kind of here. If this does not sound like what you need right now, no worries. There are time codes in the episode's description in case you want to just like skip around. And if not, we'll catch you next week for some more No Bad Ideas. All right, with that, let's get to the show. This podcast features three supposed adults who definitely use adult language. They're also supposedly writers, who are definitely not procrastinating by making this podcast. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to No Bad Ideas, the storytelling game show where we take the worst ideas from the internet and try to turn them into stories that are actually good. My name is Gabriel Urbina, and I am your first Bad Ideas host. My name is Sarah Shackett. I'm your second Bad Ideas host. And my name is Zach Valenti, your third Bad Ideas host. And today we are joined in the Bad Ideas, it's not even the Thunderdome, it's like the Bad Ideas Swamp. It's like the Bad Ideas Bog. I don't know why we live here. I don't know what set of bad choices <laughs> bad led ideas us here. Box behind the Walmart. <laughs> that, is, that is where we live. That is actually true. <laughs> and I don't especially know what set of bad choices led our extremely illustrious guest co-host for today into this den of bad ideas. But he is an educator, a brilliant musician, music director. He is the composer of the original music for Wolf 359, Zero Hours, and Unseen. It's Mr. Alan Rohde. Alan, thank you for coming on the show. Yes, it's good to be here in this very swampy, muggy environment we cultivated here. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Not everyone appreciates a good, bad ideas like Greenhouse. So thank you. Thank you for saying that. And thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. And this, for any new listeners, is the show where we mine the depths of horrible ideas that our species comes up with in the form of news stories that one of us, starting this week with myself, uh, pitches the other three, who then must turn around and weave this awfulness into hopefully a decent, if not good, and entertaining narrative. Are y'all ready for this? Actually, Zach, can I just do a tiny little bit of housekeeping before we jump into our first bad idea? Yes. So for regular listeners of the show, um, you may remember that last episode, we talked about having an idea that involved Disney. And I very quickly went, I know exactly where this is going. And um, it was not where I thought it was going. And I said, well, next time, get ready for an especially bad Disney-related idea. Turns out lots of bad things happen at Disney parks uh, and Disney-related areas. Well, folks, um, I'm going to slightly eat my own words because we are not doing that Disney bad idea today for the reason of I read it again 
and kind of found that it did not pass the test of it failed on the count of too gross, too just like viscerally gross to bring on the show. Um, so we're going to be doing two other ideas. However, if you would like to know what that bad Disney idea was, we are going to be sharing a link to it on our Twitter. I strongly recommend that you do not click on it. I strongly <laughs> recommend that you steer clear of this idea because it is pretty nasty. Can I just ask, does this idea involve siblings? It is 100% involves yes, siblings. This is very gross. You shouldn't click on it. But if you are curious and angry at yourself and want to just like self-flagellate your brain a tiny bit, no bad ideas, Twitter. Go find it. The bad idea will be waiting for you there. Thank you for giving me a moment just to clear that up and to um, make sure that our listeners didn't feel that I was just forgetting a promise that I made to them last week. Amazing. Well, with that out of the way, may I welcome you to Mel Magazine. Mel Magazine. Okay. Run by someone named Mel? I would presume. And hopefully all about the works of Mel Brooks. Uh, unfortunately, this week we are talking about subreddits. Specifically, okay. the subreddits okay. where men ask random guys to tempt their partners to cheat. Oh, no. Oh, no. Imagine, if you will. You open your Instagram DMs to find. I don't want to imagine. I want, I want to stop imagining. <laughs> yes, yes. There is not enough Lysol on earth for our eyeballs. Uh. Do you ignore it and never respond? Or do you take the chance to sext with a random person despite being in a relationship? What if, what? as you later discover, it was all a test? conducted by your partner to see if you'd be unfaithful. They both failed I the see. test. That's they right. They both failed. Yeah, that is right. these people should not be in a relationship. <laughs> yeah, no. Nope. This seems to be the case for a growing number of women whose partners aren't concerned with whether they're actually cheating, but whether they hypothetically would. And Oof. while most oh people God. might leave this anxiety to themselves or maybe talk about talk it out with their therapist or their partner, there are some for whom the only solution is to test their partner's loyalty directly, often through the services offered on subreddits like r slash loyalty testers and r slash test my wife gf. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yup. We need to be spending more time foraging for berries and finding water. That's what I've decided. Yeah. <laughs> I am with we you. We have to spare time, clearly. <laughs> have too much time. <laughs> On these forums, suspicious boyfriends and husbands present their girlfriend or wife's contact information and photos for eager Yikes. testers who will nonchalantly approach said partner somewhere on the internet and attempt to lure them into sexting. Conversely, oh, testers were all, will offer up their services on the subreddit, hoping to find someone looking to have their partner be tested. Quote, testing now. Moms, wives, girlfriends, friends, aunts, and sisters all love my 9.5-inch BBC. Whatever the fuck that is, I don't want to know. And I'll prove it. <laughs> uh, DM me now. One recent uh, post on r slash test my wife gf states i like the tone in which you read that sack like i like oh. the delivery very good line reading <laughs> thank you thank you uh, the author then goes on to ask for the instagram accounts or phone numbers of women claiming that he's had success getting women to chat by quote accidentally sending them pictures of his cock 
He adds that his Whoa. only he's <laughs> only interested in talking with real women, not men role playing as their own sister or mother. As this poster's mention wow. of, quote, real women and, quote, role playing suggests, much of the subreddit is quite horny. Rather than yeah, by the way, an, folks, welcome to the special like after hours spice channel edition yeah. of No Bad Ideas. Apparently. Oh, God. Rather than an actual test of his partner's loyalty, they're often meeting grounds for men to role play with each other with one pretending to be a well-hung quote-unquote bull and the other a cheating woman. That said, username another NSFW burner, a moderator for r slash testmywifegf, says what some a- tests are quite real. <laughs> yeah, right? Quote, from what I've seen, and been told there are indeed some legitimate interactions going on, he tells me. <laughs> I've also seen cases where catfishing tactics have been used to unfortunately lure people into sending sexually explicit photos. No shit. Yeah, of course. He does estimate, though, that about 60% of the subreddit's members are simply role playing. <laughs> Quote, I haven't been made aware of any breakups occurring, he said. Honestly, that's one of the last things I want to happen. As someone uh-huh. who's been personally cheated on in the past, I can sympathize with those looking to see if their spouse slash partner is unfaithful. And that's one of the main reasons I accepted the offer to be a moderator. I never envisioned this subreddit as anything malicious, but unfortunately, some people have taken advantage of the system. By that, he's referring to how some may not simply just pretend to be someone's boyfriend or a bull, but do so in order to blackmail the target. The moderator from this thing bans any users he catches blackmailing people or otherwise manipulating the subreddit. But as the only active moderator in a role that's essentially just a hobby, it can be challenging to stay on top of it all. Uh For what it's worth, it seems unlikely that having a stranger send your partner uh, dick pics is all that accurate a gauge of infidelity. It's not even a promising way of getting someone to sext. Women receive and ignore unsolicited dick pics all the time. Thus, loyalty testers present a particularly uninformed view of cheating, a complicated, (laughs) nuanced event that rarely occurs simply because someone received a random photo of a, quote, 9.5 inch BBC. And with that awfulness, I hope that we can find ourselves a decent story or at the very least some justice. Obviously, in this context, BBC means... um, the British Broadcasting Corporation. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Of course. 9.5 inches of it. Yeah. Yeah. They're referring to the thickness of the paper that the BBC has printed That's on. That's right. That's what's going That's on That's right. And there's 10 <laughs> minutes on the clock. You know, sometimes we're like, what is the bad idea here? But there's like 10 in this one. There's, like, a, I, there's this an abundance of riches yeah. in this it's one. Like, kudos, Zach, because I think you had like the most densely packed <laughs> article full of bad ideas we've seen in a while in a while <laughs> can i just say what a great game show this would make <laughs> oh my god, oh god. wow <laughs> i mean oh uh, you yeah. watch love is blind and then whatever this is uh golden <laughs> but i mean but like you could even make a movie about someone that is making this game show and that would be a pretty Ooh. entertaining movie on its own right like it could be like ed tv or something yeah, but get like, yeah. it'll be great oh sheesh yeah mm-hmm I do love the idea, though, of like other fields trying similar tactics, like all of a sudden somebody just kind of like messaged you and is like, hey, just like hypothetically, would you be interested in robbing a bank? 
And then it's like, ah, no, now it's a crime to even hypothetically rob a bank. You know, right, the bank right. is on to you now. My Lord. Oh, my God. <laughs> Just wild. There's I also kind of want a documentary about the life of this moderator and like how how they came to this and what their life is like now. Like, what are they doing when they're not on Reddit? I'm fascinated by this person. Yeah. And just the just the like, I am told that some people here are real. And I consider it my sacred duty to monitor this space for those potential few minority people. There is something almost to kind of like doing a story about like the person that starts this with like the best of intentions and maybe the first like couple of times it is something that is like very specific and very targeted and like very you know effective for what we might call effective about this with a lot of asterisks but very quickly other people come in because they are kind of going hmm this seems like the kind of place where you know, my scam would flourish. What have you mentioned earlier? Like this would be great for people who relationships shouldn't be happening right now. So maybe they're doing them the favor of splitting them up. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> maybe this is like a failure to launch situation. And so this is being built by people who, you know, people like parents or friends bring them in and like, these people should not be dating. They should not be together. Can you help us break them up? And Ooh. then they sort of like, seed the idea of using this service in order to break up the relationship. Mm. <laughs> and then, of course, it would be funny if like, all right, so like, just like to make it a little bit more concrete. So you have like a, a, a main couple, like, you know, sort of these two people are dating for whatever reason, when we can discuss whether they're good reasons or bad reasons, their friends all like, you know, are like they are the worst together. They're so bad for each other. They need to get split up as soon as possible. And they arrive at this like idea of we're going to sort of like engineer it so that it seems like one partner is testing the other. I guess. Yes, I guess that's what I'm saying. It'd be interesting if like the partners like immediately turned around and like went to the other and were like, I got this message. Like, I just wanted to tell you, like, you know, like I would never do this to you. And so then it's like, damn it, that actually strengthens the relationship. <laughs> <laughs> But wait, let me just yeah. get this straight. So, so Sarah, you were pitching the idea of like turning it on its head, where instead of it being these creepy men, like sort of throwing their partners to the wolves, it's like if somebody's concerned about their friend's sig male significant other, it's like, hmm, let's see if they're actually a scumbag and sort of like, right. do they end up on this message board? Right, right, right. Ah. But we can also do anything else. Again, there's so many bad ideas here. <laughs> uh, but just to like chase that white rabbit a little bit further into this dark wonderland, if it's if whoever it is that they're testing, they're not going to the message board. They're getting a DM on. So it could right? be it could be either or both. Right. So you could have the the female partner who is getting DMs. And you could also like go up to the male partner and sort of pitch them on using this service and then see if they actually I sign see, up for I it. I see. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. So it now could go I either or both. Hmm. Okay. I have a whole business enterprise that does this for all couples. Right. I want it. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like it's almost like a private investigator then, hmm. but just like a very particular, particular kind of private kind. investigator. Yeah. Ooh. The only other idea that I had that sort of was interesting to me from the the piece was there is, the, I, I wonder if there's a way to ethically and 
and, and interestingly explore like this idea of people who kind of go on the service to, to role play or because they are like so invested in the idea of uh, partner cheating. And if we were do- telling that story, then I think obviously the lead would be like Jason Statham or, or The Rock, who's just like a total badass, but has this other side to them. I think that you could do that. You could also kind of do like a, um, I mean, unfortunately, this movie already exists, but you could kind of do an in the mood for love sort of situation. Oh, sure, sure. Where, you know, you have two couples, they think like, you know, a guy and a girl in each couple, they think that they're happy. They find out that their spouses are both cheating on them. And so then, you know, in order, they're, they're completely thrown. They're like, well, I don't even understand, like, what is happening, how this could happen. At what point did we drift apart? How did I not notice? In order to kind of like wrap their heads around being cheated on, it's like, could we safely and with each other go through the motions of having an affair and just like role play that in, in order, order to just to like, like understand? Because out. I am yeah. so completely thrown by the fact that, you know, my spouse has been cheating on me. But again, the problem is that in the mood for love already exists. You have to like take it into a completely different context and I think make it more naturally comedic because in the mood for love, is lush and gorgeous and very fraught. And oh, so yeah. like, like you need like you know like you feel the tragedy of every frame. Right. No, this needs to be like mid-aughts like the holiday style comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Starring Jack Black and Sarah Jessica Parker. Right, exactly. Like you really need like the the Jack Black and Kate Winslet matchup where <laughs> they're thrown together. That could still work now, but I think we can find younger actors uh for now. And but like Mark channel equivalent. Yeah. But like <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Someone's dating Tom Holland. Someone's dating Zendaya. They realize that they're being cheated on by Tom Holland and Zendaya. Um, and then they get <laughs> so thrown <specific>. together. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when that happens, you're just kind of like, I mean, we, we can't argue with this. Right. You just kind of like graciously move to the side and go like, I mean, you got to do what you got to do. I mean, of course. But yeah, something like something where it's it's more in sort of the comedy realm of these two people uh, trying to figure this shit out. And then I think very sweetly coming together at the end. I think there's room for that for sure, which is also not something that happens in, in the mood for love. Yeah. If you haven't seen in the mood for love, uh, I guess you have now effectively seen in the mood for love, but you haven't yeah. because it's gorgeous. In the last 40 <laughs> seconds, how does it end? And what's it called? I, 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 I think that they do need to really get together at the end. And there's sort of like that very funny scene where it's kind of a like, are, are you still role-playing? Because I am I think that I'm being genuine. But like, if you're still role-playing, I'm definitely still role-playing. Are you still role-playing? Because I'm not role-playing. Unless you are role-playing. Yeah, because I'm totally role-playing. And someone's just like, can everybody please stop saying the words role-playing? Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Lo- love test? Mate test? Um, like, um, as far as the title goes? Um, yeah. You could just call it the test. The test. That's not bad. <laughs> and that's time. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you guys for uh, doing your best to scrub the badness out of this really, truly awful idea. (laughs) I don't know Uh, how much we succeeded, but I I think we've given it a shot. I think we were all still slightly reeling. I'm not going (laughs) to (laughs) lie. What a concept. Well, I have another concept for you. It's very, very different, uh, but not necessarily more wholesome. Hit us. Yeah. So this comes to us from Yahoo News. It will, a link to the article will also be in the episode description. 
And I'm just going to read the headline because it does what it says on the tin. So a four-year-old in Utah opened fire on police officers after his father told him to during his arrest, police said. One more time. How old? Sorry. So a four-year-old opened fire at police officers after his father told him to (sighs) as he was being arrested, Utah police said. Sarah, we're already going to need to have like a content warning for the British Broadcasting Corporation at the top of this episode. Now we also need one for like gun violence and yes. children. <laughs> yes. Warning, children. Warning, children. children. Uh, it, it gets worse. Don't even worry about it. Um, so a man received an incorrect order after going through a McDonald's drive through on Monday afternoon <laughs> and then oh, brandished no, the firearm no, at no, employees. No. Why, why, why <laughs> does that lead, like, why does that lead into where the rest of this is going? This is the worst. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> so um, the employees at the Midvale, Utah McDonald's called the police. who said the man refused to exit his vehicle and had to be pulled from the car uh, when the police finally arrived. Quote, while taking the male into custody, an officer turned back towards the vehicle and saw a gun pointing out from the rear window, the press release said. Quote, the officer vocalized to the other officers that there was a gun while swiping the gun to the side as a round was fired from the chamber. Jesus. The oh, officer God. who sustained minor injury to the arm, so luckily he was not uh, hurt more badly than that, realized... Good. That it was a child who had fired and alerted other officers. The release said UPD did not immediately respond to insider's request for comment. Quote, the child who fired the weapon is four years old and was in the backseat of the car with a three-year-old sibling. Information collected during this ongoing investigation indicates that the father of the child told the child to shoot at the police. Oh, God. That's wild. Yep. Um, That's a hell of a first memory. Yeah. So there's a little bit more information uh, about the case, but that is that is the gist of the idea. No, Sarah, you should give us more. I'm not seeing the bad idea here yet. Like, what's bad? In the- <laughs> yeah, he said extremely God sarcastically. Sick. To be clear, I don't know why. Oh I'm, my I'm, lord! I'm just getting you know the, the boss baby. One of those things. I'm getting like assassin baby <laughs> vibes. He's <laughs> <laughs> saving the world. <laughs> Like some, some, something is evil about this that the baby is saving the world. Who knows? <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to put 10 minutes on the timer and you can tell me how these children are going to save the world. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've never seen the Boss Baby movie, so I don't understand. I do like, are they are they are, are all babies hyper intelligent in that world? And then know. they kind of like grow out of it. Is it the, the, the like, world building isn't clear? <laughs> I, I, I also haven't seen the them. Baby so I don't know. escape Room from the lab. Although, oh my god is, is this animated I, I, I getting the sense this is like a 3d animated picture i, I don't know why I, <laughs> look honestly everything that we can do to like divorce this from reality like i am thoroughly yeah. behind it like let's abstract yes. the shit out of it yes. and we need, so and like need, yes and we need a cute little marketable sidekick that'll look the good voice in his ear or something that tries to let you no longer be an assassin but we'll get there we'll get there. need to make action figures and marketing marketing <laughs> merchandise oh 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 i got a name daddy's killer helper Oh no! Oh. oh my god! I mean, it's great, but like, holy shit! Woof! I hate it, Zach. I, I mean, it's a little bit like, uh, oh shit! What was that? Keanu Reeves, like, you kicked my dog, and now I murder John for the Wick. next ninety minutes. Yeah, yeah. So like, like less 
ethically motivated John Wick, but John Wick is four years old. <laughs> Starring Keanu Reeves <laughs> as the voice of the baby. Also, <laughs> well, four years old, but not only a baby, but still. <laughs> toddler our four-year-olds i guess are they're they're no longer toddlers they're just small children it's fair it's fair okay (laughs) let's let's i I guess let's go through this step by step so like the setup is there's this baby who is also a trained killer yep nothing wrong there (laughs) what you could do is you could set it in a world where reincarnation is for sure real Okay, great. And yes, so you have yes, the great. world's greatest assassin. Um, they're, ah, they're murdered. Okay. Wow. They're murdered in the line yes. of duty. They come back as a small child and they have a limited right. window Ooh. before Ooh. their memory goes away. Yes. yes. <laughs> to exact Wait, how, how, how old are they? Are we talking like 80 year old assassin or like 400 year old assassin? Because that's very different. <laughs> yeah, that is very different. I'm not sure. What do you guys think? It's like 40 year old and they're trying to. Their... Well, no, but like, I, I would say probably like they're in the middle of their prime because they are yeah. getting sent out to like do this like big job that like if this person does not get taken out a lot of bad right. things will happen we'll figure Somewhere the details between, out later like, yeah like i would say 26 to 60 is like fair fair game yeah so not not um, ancient assassin got it <laughs> no but like and then i guess like they like comedically suffer some kind of sudden death or maybe or, it's like not even you know they're such a badass but they just like have a have a brain aneurysm or a heart attack or something like they choke on their lunch you know what it is what is it they like are using an assumed identity they're using a stolen identity um and that is why there is this like celestial mix-up where you know alan smith who they're pretending to be was scheduled for that aneurysm but they weren't and so they like you know like they get to like the heavens and like oh shit, the like system made this error. How can we make it up to you? And it's like, well, put me back. I need to like finish this. And they're like, ooh, unfortunately that's not really an option, but you the know what the we world could the do. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so like thanks to a celestial error, they die prematurely, which is how they get to like briefly come back with all their memories before those are just like washed away so now that there's your ticking clock they've got like you know three three days to make this assassination go off without a hitch <laughs> now was oh, there man. like a, a sort of vessel like in a like sort of panchen lama sense like waiting for this death to occur and like the mind like sort of takes them over or is it like a fresh newborn comes out guns blazing yeah i would say it's probably like a fresh newborn and it's like hey we need to like cut in the soul line moment and like the soul that was going to go into that body we'll like redistribute them later right now we really got to get this deployed right now because this is the next baby that's going to be born in like you know like new broke city or like wherever this is yeah wherever this Um, is happening in sidonia this baby knows from birth what its mission is, or is what we're implying, or is it like a sleeper agent sort of situation? <laughs> well, I think it, it, it could be either, right? Because like the the logistics of a newborn, like because they're low jack, like the hospital knows where they are. <laughs> um, so right, maybe it may, it's a, it's it a may sleeper to, agent situation. Yeah, it may be one of these things where like it's a sleeper agent, and like the next time that there is a chance for him to like be near the target they'll have their memories awakened and it just so happens that i mean that way we could get it back to like it being a four-year-old which i don't know if that makes it better or worse i mean it, i think is this now 
it, I think it's it it can be a baby if it's animated. If we have now dipped yeah. into live action, then I think it should be a small child. <laughs> True. <laughs> Look, I'm just saying, this Dennis the Menace gritty reboot is like something <laughs> else. Here, I'd watch it. Would <laughs> <laughs> too. <laughs> Um, well, you have about four minutes. Uh, what are kind of the, oh the beats of this revenge story? <laughs> <laughs> Who's the villain? <laughs> That's a great question. Like, who is the person that, like, this guy is trying to put on ice? And, like, I don't think that it should be, like, a terrorist wanted by the United States government. Because then it's like, no, mm. there's a lot of other things. Yeah. A lot of other resources that could be applied to solve this problem. No, no, no. I, th- I think it's, like... Um, and like, tell me if this is too tinfoil hatty, but just like 5G, all the head, all the headlines are just like there to distract the population. Like this person is like so in the know as, uh, an assassin that like they're on the trail of, you know, the, uh, sort of corrupt leader of the, the deepest state that's like transnational. Um, give me like a Carmen San Diego situation where there's like, you know, they're a master assassin who are, who has, you know, are constantly sparring with like uh, a master thief or a, a master, you know, um, criminal of some sort. Or it could just up. be like, it could just be Inigo Montoya. Like this guy killed his father. He's <laughs> hey, been searching yeah, sure. for him for 20 years. And like sure, now, man. because of some like heavenly accounting error, he's going to slip through his fingers. I don't think so. Mm, I like that. I like that. That's reasonable. I'll and that way it. the kid's dad can be involved. There can be oh, yeah. <laughs> Played by Keanu Reeves. Played by Keanu Reeves. <laughs> well, but by the time that, like, you know, he comes back in the reincarnated form, now, like, the guy that killed his father, he has a kid. Right. So is he going to make an orphan out of them? Ethical dilemmas. Oh, noes. Or is he born to the very person <gasps> he came back to kill? <laughs> yes. Oh man. Wow. Ooh. Oh my Every god. Every child wants to kill his father. Freud is grinning right now. I was gonna say, like, this is now like a this is like the weirdest Ingmar Bergman movie now, all of a sudden. Like it's like Jesus. I'm not saying no. I'm but like like holy shit. I could I mean this is going wildly off topic, but you could also get the approach that maybe these babies are manufactured. Like there there's some evil element that you were talking about earlier that their mm. father's involved in, like I don't know, clones, who knows? <laughs> I do kind of love him like him being the kid of the guy that killed his father and just kind of that like dynamic of like you look when you have a newborn, it feels like that thing is trying to kill you. Like, you know, like the metaphorical like heart of it is just right there. It's so great. And that way we can still we can still call it daddy's killer helper. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say we're uh, you have about 50 seconds, uh, but if it's called daddy's killer helper, are there any other details you want to include in this? Does he actually kill his father slash the guy who killed his father? I mean, the good person in me wants to have them understand each other's worth and like forge a relationship. (laughs) The troll in mm-hmm, me mm-hmm. wants it to end in blood. You can leave room no. for a sequel. That's true. That's true. <laughs> well, like the guy has another kid. Yeah. Um, no, but like there, there is a beautiful symmetry about like the two of them ending up together in a like place of like redemption because it is sort of this like this is the reason this guy is the reason I never had a father. Well, there you go. Now's your chance to have a father. Yeah. Wow. And well, yeah, that's but like, time. But, but by that point, it's like Mr. and Mrs. Smith, where like the house has been destroyed in the <laughs> yeah. incredibly over the top fight that occurred. Well, with the, that incredibly 
over-the-top fight that is time. Thank you guys for taking this to an even wilder place than the original idea. My goodness. Thank you for such a great jumping off point to get here. Oof. Well, we're going to take a we're going <laughs> to take a quick break to like pick our jaws up from the floor and like recover, but we'll be back after a short break to talk to Alan. Hello there, Zach Valenti jumping into this episode with this brief reminder that we have an active Patreon page to support the production of No Bad Ideas and all the other crazy worlds we're building behind the scenes. To check that out, scope the sweet rewards we offer for monthly subscriptions as well as how to sign up yourself. Head on over to nobadideaspodcast.com slash support. Once more, that's nobadideaspodcast.com slash support. If you already support the show, we so appreciate that. And regardless, thank you for listening. All right, let's get back to more No Bad Ideas. Alrighty, welcome back, folks, to No Bad Ideas. We are here with Alan Rohde, um, creator of music and composer and musician extraordinaire. And Alan, it's interesting, like, uh, we've gotten to work together on three projects now, except each of those projects is kind of a, like, involved, long-running series Mm -hmm. that kind of breaks down into, like, lots of tiny little projects. But we've rarely gotten a chance to kind of like talk in any kind of a public forum about sort of like our own collaboration and sort of like what we do. This is often kind of like the part of it that people just kind of like listen to the wonderful, amazing music that makes our clunky dialogue sound oh so good. (laughs) That's right. That's right. (laughs) But there isn't a lot of discussion about kind of like how that sort of comes to pass. Um, So, you know, so like when you are composing something or when you are kind of like creating music how does that process begin for you like kind of like what is the original seed of it all sort of like how how do you begin basically it should make me think too i guess it's different with different collaborators but for us it's great to have background on this the world we're looking at like is and i guess in our cases we've leaned pretty heavily into like sci-fi things (laughs) it's the idea of like oh i feel like that's a very different soundscape than say a western (laughs) space western maybe but ideas like that (laughs) i I think define a lot and i feel like we've spent a good time you you, zag beans are just kind of going through different soundscapes before even think about music just thinking about what what exists here what is even if it's non-diegetic, it's just like, well, what, 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 what sounds exist in this universe? I feel like it tends to be the best place to start. What's around? What's the soundscape? Yeah, that's great. I'm big into choosing specific instruments and being like that. That'll, that'll kind of guide me from where I go from there. Is it a synth? Is it a string? <laughs> They'll tell different stories. Right. And I remember like with, with Zero Hours, for example, we were kind of having conversations about... You know, this is a series that like begins in the 1700s 
ends in the 2300s and sort of, you know, like the fact that that evolved also necessitating like, okay, the music is going to have to change as well. We're going to need to kind of like create a library for the first half of the series and then kind of a library for the second half of the series Mm -hmm. in a certain way. Yeah, it's definitely the idea of how does it change over time? Because I, I'm, I'm even thinking for something like how, how many seasons was Wolf 59? I, I, I feel like that was years now, right? Four seasons, yeah. I feel like the the sound of well, everything, all the sounds different from our very first season is very different from the last season. Like I'm sure more than just the music. I'm sure we as as we develop that soundscape in general and sound design and editing. So it's it's always interesting, even just learning from <laughs> what from one show, uh, one episode to the next how much we were like oh that worked that didn't work let's try this let's go here (laughs) that's always an adventure absolutely uh and there is kind of this like very real trial and error parts of it because and like i remember sort of like we i think that this is something that like perhaps not a lot of people know but like you know most the way that you do most scores and say like film or tv is you kind of write it, you shoot it, you edit it, you kind of like create a like musicless version of it that you then give to the composer and the composer gets to write music for like specific moments. Because we were making with Wolf 359 a show every two weeks, we kind of did it backwards where we were kind of talking about like what the music needed to be and you got to create it. And then we kind of like were matching it afterwards to like specific moments. And there were definitely times when like, you created something for Wolf Tree 59 and I got it and I went like, that's a fantastic piece. And then it took like nine months to actually end <laughs> up in the show because it was just sort of this like, ah, that's, it, 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 it kind of keeps not being right. They're kind of not in the emotional space for this. It keeps being scenes of like Eiffel by himself. And this kind of feels like something of like, it needs like a group coming together sort of feeling for it. And tons of things which just never got used. It makes me really wonder about the creative processes of like other composers and just things in general, just how much unused material there is that's just sitting there. They're like, that was great, but not for this moment or not for this show. Yeah. <laughs> it's just sitting in a box somewhere. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, Alan, famously, you, of course, um, lead a vast team of musicians with everything that you've done for our series. Um, every time you incorporate lots of different people that all play many different instruments. Um, it's, it's actually an, ar- is... an army of cats that runs across the keyboard. Yes, there yes. you go. <laughs> Established that, I believe, you know. Don't you dare take it back. This is now canon. Anybody, anybody that is yes. listening, that is how the music so gets please, made. Please, please draw it, animate it. World is your oyster. Yeah. Um, no, very famously, actually, the complete opposite. You are a... Um, kind of one-man band, which I know was a shock to people when we did our live show where you kind of did the music in tandem with the performance, and people were absolutely amazed that it was literally all you. How, just like, how does that work? Like, how do you create these kind of like very rich sounding um, scores when it is kind of just like a one-man show? That's a great question. Uh, it's complicated. <laughs> it's really complicated. <laughs> and I feel like the answer from... Uh, I've got time. Yeah, we're, we're, we're here. <laughs> I feel like the answer has changed, too, uh, in, in some ways. I, I feel like at the same time, I don't know if it was... I, almost, I have no concept of time over the past few years, but at a certain point, I went to get my graduate degree in music, and I was like still constantly learning about processes of how, how like music education works, like music composition, just the idea of... One, there isn't necessarily one way to do it. 
some days we'll be like, oh, this is a cool synth sound. Let's layer it and do something with it. Other days we'll be like, oh, this is a great chord pattern. Let's play it on piano. And two weeks later, okay, I hate it on a piano. Let's make it an accordion. <laughs> I don't know. Let's make it spooky clown music and change it to an organ sound. True story. Bless you for the spooky um, clown music. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of, I don't know, there's no one answer. That's And every, every musician I know is that they have very different processes and it's, Sometimes it just, it just happens. You're like, oh, that was interesting. But I replicate it? No, but it's recorded, so it's great. <laughs> How many instruments can you play? Uh, that is also a very complicated question. I will, <laughs> I will tell people I am technically certified to teach K-12 through music any instrument. Technically certified. In reality, I could probably teach most instruments at like a middle school, elementary level with mm. like two weeks notice to relearn. Sure literally everything but i have gone through methods courses for most band instruments not harp not tuba a few other ones i haven't done but a lot of them <laughs> but every- sort of like you have like that swiss army knife capability of at least like a passing fluency with most of them i wouldn't call it fluency i, I would passing call it- fluency uh, yeah i would call it i can fake it <laughs> I, I can i can look at a movie set and realize whether or not the musicians are actually playing their instrument in most cases. Oh, wow. I'll, I'll give that, that, that is my level of confidence. That was my pet peeve with many, many shows, which I won't name on air. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can imagine. Um, I, I get that, that same way with, um, I think that I've talked about this on No Bad Ideas recently, but I, uh, but I recently watched Breaking Bad. Um, and it was always like very obvious to me when that they there weren't was really cooking math, actual math. Spanish. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, When there was someone that had gotten like a very stringent pronunciation guide and were just like miming along. Phonetically. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That's amazing what they can do in those short times sometimes, though. I I think of, I I can't think of examples, but there's been actors and musicians who have like taken really intensive lessons. And like, here's your two month intensive, like five hours a day of how to play piano. And then they actually do a shot of their hands and like, oh, that's actually them. And then you hear about the stories where they go through that process and then they don't actually use those shots. But, you know, (laughs) I was recently hearing something about, um, Javier Bardem in Being the Ricardos, where he plays um, Desiernas. So he probably had guitar lessons. Hmm. And drumming lessons. And apparently it was one of those things where he was like, look, every actor knows that in the audition, if they sort of say, you know, can you ride on horseback? The correct answer is yes. (laughs) And then when, you know, you get the part, however long you need to do, however long before you need to show up on set, that's however long you have to become a master horseman. Um, and apparently this was a case of, he was like, I was born playing the drums. I know the drums so well. And then needed to like teach himself to drum at a Desi Arnaz level before they started shooting. Wow. That's when you get stunt doubles. <laughs> there should be, there should be more music doubles, I'm more sh- people. I'm sure that, it must exist, yeah. right? I mean, I, I'm sure it does. <laughs> Someone's yeah. professional job is just to be like, I'm, I'm a hand model for violin. That, that's what I do in movies. <laughs> like maybe. I'm sure, I'm sure you're right. There has to be. Yeah. There has to be. I mean, but a lot of times, like I think about people will sort of hire background musicians who can actually do the stuff. Mm -hmm. But also if you're shooting, uh, I feel like there's a lot of leeway if you're especially shooting picture without sound and then the sound comes in later. It's sort of like in animation, you know, the, the mouth movements, most people will just like mentally adjust them to the timing of the, of the dialogue, even if like they're not drawn, um, yeah, to yeah. like particularly the English language dialogue or whatever. Now, if somebody came to you 
Alan with a fresh casting in hand that they were unprepared to music for, <laughs> what would be your course of study for them? Like if somebody wanted to maybe even get into scoring for fiction podcast, what advice <laughs> would you give somebody uh, to go from zero to good enough? It's a great question as well. So at least being able to fake it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Be able to fake it. To survive at a bare level where they won't throw you out the door. Um, hmm. <laughs> Oh. So often the level that I aim for in most things that right? I do, just like not getting thrown out the door. It's a, it's a good bar to, to hold yourself to, I think. Well, there's a lot of resources out there. I mean, I tell, I tell, I teach middle schoolers. I, I tell them like, sometimes your best friend is YouTube. Like I, I, hmm. I teaching kids play ukulele and little basic piano stuff. YouTube tutorials can teach you so much in a way that I think is unrealized by many people or yeah. you could admit some people are paying like thousands and thousands of dollars for private lessons and sure that helps with the motivation and the scheduling the consistency you're holding yourself accountable with money but if you're motivated youtube <laughs> you can there's so much you can do there's free software out there there's you can buy a flimsy cheap midi keyboard for like 20 bucks that'll could literally do everything i did in wolf 359 that is just a matter of time and trial and error there's a lot of lot, yeah. a lot of things you're going to scrap that are terrible and i think as with any skill i i don't remember whether it's debunked or whether it's still true or not they're like x number of hours you need to be an expert at any one thing yeah um, yeah, yeah. yeah ten thousand hours yeah, so yeah just, i think just that's like 10, hours of music scientifically you're, you're accurate is needing ten thousand steps a day for fitness right like <laughs> it won't hurt you if you do it um and it's probably better to do right. that amount than none or less but yeah it's right. not like you know written on any tablets anywhere in the universe yeah but i think that's the most discouraging thing for people starting out where especially with a musical instrument where if you're playing of a violin no one sounds good when you're playing a violin it's going to be screechy it's going to be yeah. terrible you are going to suck it's going to be awful yeah everyone will hate you then after a few weeks maybe you'll be able to play hot grass buttons and it won't sound like a cat dying on the street great <laughs> <laughs> Maybe people will hate you less then. Yeah, it's a little, that's a little bit too much, but, but you get the idea. Where it's, <laughs> it, takes, it takes time and it's, it's going to be demotivating. What do you think is, going off of that, what do you think is the instrument that has like the shortest gap between when you pick it up and when it might sound kind of decent? Like I feel that the violin is especially... Yeah, what's going to lose you the least friends on your Ooh. journey from ignorant to competent? That's that's there's so many layers here because I, I just think I mean on the opposite end of the spectrum I think of how many like jokes I've heard like if, if you have a family friend or that you don't like like give give their child a drum set yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is your Christmas gift great here you go um, right. because it will be incredibly loud and will sound yeah. just miserable while they're still learning it if you go from there to maybe like violin those are over there that side of things um that would Recorder is probably on that side too. I could talk about recorder for hours. Yeah. Like how many people have trauma from learning recorder in kindergarten and legit trauma <laughs> and ear damage? Yeah. I, I guess it's a hit or miss between like a, like a simple keyboard. I mean, you're never going to hit a, well, you will hit notes that are wrong and out of tune. Um, and a wind, I feel like wind instrument would, would be kind of a little bit down there too, because there's only so many buttons you can press, like it's mm -hmm. only X number of combinations. So, right. Yeah, it's, it's hard to say, but probably, honestly, like the piano. In this day and age, people are giving away free grand, free upright pianos all the time. They're just trying to get rid of them. <laughs> it's very easy to get access. Well, not accessible to get an upright piano in your house, but to get a tiny 
MIDI keyboard or something. And once again, with YouTube, stuff like that. Yeah. Which actually brings me back to, I changed my mind entirely. Ukulele. Ukulele is the answer. <laughs> really? <laughs> Ooh, okay. Yes. I just recalled, wait, I teach ukulele literally every day. Uh, 100% ukulele. <laughs> you can literally <laughs> strum an open key and it sounds good. And it press, sounds good, yeah. Yeah. Press one, press one button, you get a C major chord. By button, I mean fret. One fret, you get a C major chord. And I, I can say, like, I've, I'm doing a program right now in my school where every child learns general music ukulele. And I can say I've taught 165 kids this year how to play ukulele. And every wow. single one of them has been able to play like four chord songs. Like not a single kid has not succeeded at that. And they've all been able to like look at a chord chart online and be like, oh, I can do this. Or maybe let's choose an easier song. Like they have that skill and that does not take long, especially oh, YouTube. See, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so jealous. Like I needed that when I was kind of like growing up. Um, because like, yeah, like my school's music program was 100% recorder for everyone recorder all day, every day. Too much. <laughs> um, and, and no, and absolutely. And like, even despite years of that, it never got to the point of, oh, it feels like I can perform a recognizable song on this in a way that might be pleasant to someone's ears. Um, like it just like never went anywhere near that. Um, so just kind of like hearing that, like, you know, okay, fine. Like, you know, maybe the ukulele will not be the be all end all instrument for everyone, but to just like have that experience of like, I can do this, I can recognize it. I can understand it. I can see that it is doable. Yeah, man. I would have, I would have killed to have that <laughs> I, when I was, when I was younger. And I joke about like the trauma of recorder, but as you're kind of saying, that is traumatic. It is something that lingers with you. If you're like, yeah, yeah. I played recorder. It was terrible. I never sounded good. I'm not a musician. Like mm -hmm. that, that lingers with people. And, yep. and, I, and I and I had five years of classes at Recorder. And I never five years is too many. Too many we too many. did like a year of Recorder. Like when we were, I was, I was like in first grade or something. That was enough. Yeah, I can only think. These were, needless to say, very bad Recorder lessons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but still. Even then, I, I think of, I, I did only had to teach Recorder for a very brief period of time in my educational career. And I can only think of one kid ever who was like, yeah, this is the instrument for me. I want to learn like clarinet now. This is great. All of the kids mm. like, no, 99% of them were like, this is terrible. <laughs> can we take an ear break? Like, <laughs> I would pay good money to go back in time and learn ukulele instead of recorder. Mm -hmm. Also affordable, yeah. similar price. Mm -hmm. Christ. Mm -hmm. Alan, what, I'm, I'm curious, what drew you towards like music education? and sort of exercising your talent in that way, in addition to your composing? Uh, I guess it kind of ties together to a certain degree. I was never really, quote, a, considered myself, quote, a musician until college, really, when I was with all of you at Wesleyan. And the idea of taking pipe organ lessons was something I did just because it was free at the time. Uh, it was group lessons. It wasn't private piano lessons. And at that point, it was like, oh, hey, you can make money doing this and you can like teach choirs of people like churches and stuff. Ended up doing that for a while, teaching others, teaching mostly adults and children's choirs sometimes while playing the pipe organ and literally learning while being paid to play pipe organ, which is bizarre. And at a certain point, it just sort of all kind of tied natural, naturally together. Like organ is very similar to playing with synths, um, keyboard skills, which applied into basically how I was composing at the time using keyboards and digital stuff. And it all just sort of fell together and ended up going into education after like four years after after doing a lot of musical theater after that. So it's a whole whirlwind of things. Piperboarding, teaching church choirs to teaching musical theater because apparently they were desperate for people who could actually 
teach choirs and play a keyboard. So it, it actually worked out very well. And then went to grad school for education. And here I am. Otherwise, I was 100% never, ever predicting myself to go into the field of education because sometimes children are children. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it takes a certain kind of educator to teach kindergartners recorder. I will, I will leave you with that. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Mm, say no more. <laughs> I've decided that person is no longer me. So, Alan, this has been lovely and we'll let you go in just a moment. Um, but I feel that for loyal followers of your work and people that kind of, you know, like started listening while we were making Wolf 359 and then kind of followed us to Zero Hours and to Unseen and who have um, purchased your scores to our band camp and have it in their regular rotation. Um, there is something that if we did not ask you about it, they would actually probably like hunt us down and kill us. <laughs> right. The titles, your your track titles, which are now uh, somewhere on the scale of famous to infamous in the cult corners of audio fiction that <laughs> dominate the internet. For anybody who does not follow Alan's work, uh, let's see if we can just like sample some of these track titles i mean they're they're classics right you were probably happier yesterday does this uh, dress make me look like i'm having an existential crisis seriously where are the fucking donuts <laughs> remember when we used to pretend we had direction mm. absolute classics Bangers. that you know as much as anything else absolutely do kind of suggest a certain emotional charge that goes along with the pieces how do you arrive at these you know um fever dreams of titles <laughs> fever dreams oh my um that's once again it's a little bit of a mystery sometimes things just pop up <laughs> they're inspired by <laughs> they're inspired by what they're for um, sometimes you get with one, you get one idea, you run with it. I, and there's a whole manatee saga. There's manatees are cool. There is. Yes, um, there is. And it, it started like yeah. in Wolf 359 and it has yeah. continued into Unseen. There's just one joke where we're like, yeah, there's a manatee. How can I make a joke about a manatee? It's unrelated to the <laughs> entire show, by the way. This, we've never addressed sea creatures, have we? Uh, <laughs> I don't think there's any tether to the show. <laughs> 40, 40 years from now, we'll make like a TV show, hopefully, and it'll be, and it'll be called Manatee. And finally, finally, the, the mystery will be revealed. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes you just gotta go with an idea, run with it, and when you're on a deadline, sometimes you just need to put something on paper. <laughs> <laughs> and like, well, the manatee is dancing in a dance studio. Great. That's that's it. We're running with it. <laughs> Beautiful. Amazing. Alan, thank you so much for coming on the show and um, sharing your secrets with us. Um, this has been an absolute blast. Thank you for having me. It's been delightful. For people who want to follow you and your work, um, where should they go? What is the place to be? Great question. I'm pretty sure I have a website that's literally just my name. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Not doing much these days. I don't have any projects on the works, but mostly just doing some community theater work and just yeah, teaching. So, Are you still sometimes on Twitch? Uh, not really lately. No, at some point, maybe, uh, summers as a teacher, I got summers off. So maybe then. Excellent. Excellent. AlanRody.net. That sounds right. That's me. Pretty sure I bought like all the domains.com.biz.gov just to be safe. <laughs> I look forward to the day when AlanRody.gov becomes an applicable <laughs> reality in our lives. Yeah, that's my next mission to found my own nation. Absolutely. <laughs>
This has been No Bad Ideas, produced by Gabrielle Urbina, Sarah Shackett, and Zach Valenti. Many thanks to our patrons for their partnership in making this show happen. And a special shout out to our Idealist members, Jennifer Schneider, Rena Sarame, Jeffrey Felsher, and Dia. Today's episode features music by Statesher and Jazar from freemusicarchive.org. You can support the show at nobadideaspodcast.com slash support. And if you love this show, please leave a rating or review wherever you listen and share it with someone you love.